Big Doug Wall Talk, Matt Acorn. No Jordan Fleagle, the little pup, no longer uh, with the podcast. It's just a joke. Everybody relax and clench your, your butt cheeks here. Uh, just Matt Acorn, though, the big dog with you. Uh, as we've mentioned on the podcast before, Jordan gone. Uh, missing our 150th episode. Uh, I know. Uh, insane to think of. Uh, I can't believe he's putting uh, a beautiful tropical vacation uh, over coming and you know, talking to his, his best bud about uh, the, the, the NBA. Uh, th- this is something that uh, you know I'm, I'm taking to heart, and I hope that you guys will all uh, you know get out of that big dog ball talk. Voice your displeasure, please. Let him know how much he screwed up today. Uh, this is uh, almost exactly one year to the date that uh, I flew solo for the first time. Uh, and it was an April Fool's Day, so we're we're very very close. Uh, only one day off. So if anything, this guy is a uh, he's uh, he's consistent. We'll give him that. Uh, but no flegal today. Just uh, just Matt Icorn here with you, and uh, we're we're gonna catch up on uh, everything that's been going on throughout the NBA because with the playoffs coming up so quickly, uh, there's there's no chance that we can uh, even skimp over anything here. Uh, and starting off, we're gonna talk about a heavyweight slugfest that we saw go down between the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, and it was a uh, it was a one sided affair, that's for sure. Uh, the Bucks taking the 41 point victory over, uh, or the part of me, the Celtics taking the 41 point uh, victory over the Bucks. Uh, and really in this one to me, the biggest thing that stands out is the supporting cast of each team. Uh, while, you know, Giannis was still able to get, uh, an impressive stat line, uh, not, uh, quite to the, uh, the, the extent that he generally, uh, is able to have, uh, you know, only 24 and seven, uh, and two assists, uh, shot, uh, pretty poor for the field, 11 for 27. Uh, but then you look around on the Bucks roster and, uh, you know, Grayson Allen, one for four. Drew Holiday, who came off of a, a 51-point outing, which is insane. Uh, the, the, the resurgence of this guy's career has been uh, something that, you know, we're going to talk about for years. Uh, but, you know, two for eight shooting from him. Brooke Lopez only gets 19 minutes, three for six from him. Uh, you know, he, he he gets his boards. Uh, Bobby Portis had a, had a great game, 12 and 10. But uh, and even Chris Middleton, you know, uh, we, we like to shit on this guy a little bit throughout the podcast. Uh, but 13, 5, and 4 in 19 minutes, uh, you know, you could uh, make the argument that, uh, him and Giannis uh, were pretty much equaled uh, out there. But uh, really, the Boston Celtics just took this one and ran away with it. And this is a big road win for them to pick up, uh, especially in the uber-competitive uh, Eastern Conference uh, where at the top of the top, nobody wants to even uh, you know, think of missing out on that top spot. Uh, and they're two games back of the Milwaukee Bucks still. Uh, so there is still hope that uh, you know within the last five games of the season or so, uh, they'll be able to make this uh, this turnaround and catch up. But uh, it's unlikely that they uh, will catch the Bucks. But luckily, they've got that two-and-a-half game lead over the 76ers, and it uh, doesn't look like they'll be able to close in the gap there either. But uh, even when you look ahead to this, this is going to be a huge win momentum-wise, confidence-wise for the Boston Celtics uh, to go into uh, the, the Bucks barn and just kind of have their way with them. Just throw them around, toss them around, uh, and, and take them to task because there wasn't anything that the Bucks could do to stop the game plan of the Celtics in this one. Uh, and it really was uh, by halftime, it was over. Uh, there, that 41-21 to 21, uh, run uh, throughout the whole second quarter uh, really set the stage for the rest of the game. Uh, after that, the Bucks were, you know, still keeping it moderately close but once you go down 20 in one quarter uh there's there's not to, not not a lot to, you can do to scrape your way back here uh so i'm uh, i'm skeptical uh of the of the bucks success against the celtics at this point uh because you know we saw it in the playoffs last year uh that the celtics aren't afraid of Giannis. they aren't afraid of uh the the big bad bucks uh, and i think that 
if you're going to pick a team in the NBA that a lot of people uh, fear, uh, it would probably be the Bucks. Uh, but the Celtics, no fear in their heart. You can see when they go onto the court. They're not afraid to take on the Bucks. They're not afraid to be honest. They're uh, they, they they're kind of like uh, and I know everybody loves it when we bring them up. They're kind of like the 2019 Raptors. They are uh, such a, an elite defensive team. Uh, they work very well uh, playing team defense, uh, rotating and finding the the best ways to trap uh, and and reduce the the scoring opportunities of Giannis Tedekumpo. That they really can just build the wall. They can. Throw guys who are similar size and similar athleticism to Giannis. Uh, obviously, he's a one of one, but uh, you know Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are both mobile enough and big enough to to give him at least a, a a tough run along the perimeter. And then you've got big bodies like Al Horford down low. Uh, Robert Williams, I uh, got a nice block on him from behind uh, in this game as well. Uh, and it's a it's it's maybe the best team to match up against the Bucs uh, in the playoffs. Uh, I, I don't uh, think that many other teams can say that. Uh, obviously, the Celtics are, are my pick to win the NBA championship this year. Uh, I'm sick with that from the whole preseason. But, I mean, it's pretty hard to argue, and the proof is in the pudding here. Uh, with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, that dynamic duo that I was just referring to, are combining for 70 points. Uh, and, and, again, this was a uh, in limited minutes. It wasn't like they were playing 48 minutes to get these stats. This was uh, 30 minutes uh, each, and they were putting up over a point to minute. Uh, still getting it done on the boards. Uh, Jalen Brown doing a great job facilitating as well. Uh, and, you know, that brings me to my next point here with how good the Celtics are. Uh, I think the only team that could beat the Celtics at this point might be the Celtics. Uh, there's been a lot of drama and a lot of uh, talk right now, a lot of rumors about Jalen Brown and his future uh, with the Celtics. And a lot of people have, you know, been speculating on whether he's happy there. Uh, there's been quite the discussion around you know how he's responded to some of the adversity the team's had uh there's been a lot of uh of rumors and uh you know Jalen definitely hasn't helped this case in this uh, in this situation based on uh the the Kevin Durant trade rumors where he, uh, this has been over a year where even in the offseason you know Jalen Brown's name was being thrown around there uh, as much as you could take that as flattery uh you know that your name is being brought up as a guy that uh you know, comparable value to uh, Kevin Durant. Uh, it's definitely got to sting a little bit. Uh, a team that you've been with your 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 entire career that uh, you know you've had success with, you've gotten to the NBA Finals with, you're playing at an All Star level, and still your name's floating around a trade rumor. So uh, I definitely understand why Jalen Brown would be frustrated, and you know uh, I, I think that you know maybe some of the the Twitter sleuths uh, out there have been thinking looking into things a little bit too uh, critically here. Uh, for for Jalen Brown, uh, obviously, I don't think he, he's a very well spoken person, but he's still a quiet person. He doesn't go out there and he's not yelling. He's not cracking jokes. He's always got uh, you know his his head on his shoulders and he's ready to decompose. So whether he's getting a standing ovation from TD Garden or he's uh, in the post game uh, being asked against uh, about his future, don't expect him to kind of give you this uh, this long drawn out answer where he's giving uh, you know plenty of detail. Uh, yeah, he, he's he's gonna keep it keep it brief, keep it quick, keep, uh, and he's gonna go on and uh, you know probably get back to business and uh, keep trying to you know recoup his body and uh, get ready for the next game because uh, you know he's he's a consummate professional. So uh, you know as much as I would love to say that uh, Jalen Brown wants out and Jalen Brown's gonna walk and the Celtics' future could look bleak because I think that's what everybody would like to see. I mean, uh, like again, like I respect the Celtics and uh, you know this this team is great, but nobody wants to see a Boston sports team do well except for people that are Boston sports fans. That's just the truth. They're probably the most hated franchises outside of the New Yorks uh, in 
all professional sports, uh, North American, I'll say at least. Uh, but uh, you don't really want to see the Celtics win anymore. Uh, they've had their time. Uh, and uh, without Jalen Brown, this team would definitely be uh, struggling to, to compete. Uh, at least they would definitely not be blowing out the Bucks by 40 uh, without his efforts. But uh, I, I, I still don't think that there's any worry or any need to panic on the, the end of the Celtics because uh, I think Jalen Brown, he's a consummate winner. He wants to be there, and he wants to you know, maybe try and get this ring. Uh, even if they can't do it this year, they're young, and they've got enough talent there that uh, you know, they could be contenders for the next couple of years. So uh, we'll, we'll wait and see how the, this all ends up coming to be. And uh, maybe, who knows, maybe Jalen Brown will have an outburst. Maybe there's, uh, there's more to this than uh, it, it appears on the surface. But uh, for now, uh, my advice to, to Boston fans, just... Just relax, take a deep breath. Uh, you know, Jalen's just a, a cool cucumber. He's not going to uh, not going to, to wilt under this pressure, and he's not going to make any extra drama that uh, that's needed. But uh, then again, we are still talking about it, so uh, we're, we're going to keep close eye on the Celtics, and uh, you know, maybe even the Bucks as. Uh, the the, uh, the the Celtics make this final push to try and overtake them in the uh, the Eastern Conference. Uh, moving over to the the top end of the Western Conference, uh, gotta give a round of applause. A round of applause for the Sacramento Kings. Congratulations, you've come a long way. You come a long way, baby. Uh, it's sad that Jordan isn't here for this one as well, uh, because you know we we used to lay it on heavy for all the OGs of the podcast. Uh, the, the 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 our our, our dog pound uh, as it is. Uh, the Kings were were not our favorite team. Everybody knows that. Uh, the, the Kings were so bad and so hated by Jordan and I for their underperforming and uh, undervaluing and pretty much just doing every single thing wrong that a franchise could ever do uh, to the point that we had shunned them. We wouldn't talk about them. We wouldn't refer to them. Uh, we ended up probably talking about them more after we said we shunned them uh, than we did this season when they weren't shunned. Uh, but that was the case. They were we, we, we wanted to ban them, essentially. We wanted to move them uh, to Vancouver or uh, Montreal or back to Seattle or Vegas, wherever. We, we were ready uh, to, to get the expansion draft going. But uh, instead... Uh, the Kings are now the, the third seed in the Western Conference, making the playoffs officially, ending the longest sports uh, playoff drought in North America. Uh, fuck the Jets. I uh, hope you love Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you can have him. He's 40, and uh, he's addicted to psychedelics. Uh, but uh, that, that's a story for another day. Uh, but the uh, the Sacramento Kings uh, still looking like an amazing uh, amazing team, one of the best offensive seasons. Actually, I believe the, the highest offensive rating uh, ever in, in NBA history for a, a single season right now. They're, they'd be uh, on pace to close out with. Uh, but still, even with all the success, teams are chasing that sixth seed. Uh, that's the word on the street, uh, that is. Uh, and obviously right now, I think that the, the conversation uh, you know, is, is a little bit stupid in a way uh, because when you think – Obviously, teams are going to want to chase for the sixth seed anyhow because that means you avoid the play-in tournament because if you're in the, the top 10 or 7 through 10, pardon me, you're still not in the playoffs. You're in the play-in. No matter how much the NBA tries to make me uh, you know, believe that uh, there's going to be uh, you know, playoff stats counted in the play-in, it's not the playoffs. It's a totally different animal. It's a totally different beast. Uh, and right now, uh, there's a lot of uh, teams closely competing from uh you know and it might stop us if you heard this before but uh you know from thir- the nine seed all the way to the six seed even if you want to throw in the 10 seed there 13 and a half games it's a two game difference between uh, the warriors and the thunder from six to ten so there's a lot of teams in this mix to avoid the play-in uh but the reason 
that a lot of teams are reportedly looking to get that six seed so they can match up against the Kings. Uh, a lot of veteran teams uh, in there, like the the current six seed, the, the Golden State Warriors, uh, the, of course, the L.A. Lakers are in that mix as well. Uh, but out of these teams... You don't want to play Denver or Memphis, two teams that have playoff experience. Uh, they've they've got deeper rosters uh, on the surface, whereas the, the Sacramento Kings they have a horrible, horrible defense. And uh, you know, in the in the playoffs, you're going to get into some dogfights. You're going to get into some games where your offense may not be clicking the same way. The, the refs might not be giving you uh, such a generous whistle. And uh, teams are kind of smelling the blood in the water, and they're trying to attack the Kings before. They even have a chance to uh, to get off the ground and really celebrate and light the beam. Uh, and uh, personally, I think that some of these teams might come to regret this. Uh, and I, I'm not saying this is a bad idea if you are, you're really trying to target a, a team in the Western Conference, uh, at least the top end. I think if you can ma- make your matchup, the Kings are the smart uh, s- smart way to go because you know even if you get fifth, you might want to drop back to try and get sixth because if right now you're in fifth. You'd either be playing the Suns or the Clippers, depending on how this shake out. And uh, those are both pretty scary teams to face in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, again, when you look at the Kings, a lot of these guys have never played a single postseason game. Uh, this franchise hasn't seen, uh, you know, a playoff game since 2006. Uh, this is not a, uh, you know, a team well-versed in the postseason and uh, all the uh, the glitz and glamour that comes with it. So this could be a, a, a team where maybe you can kind of catch them like a deer in the headlights and you maybe surprise them. You maybe are able to steal a game or two on the road. Uh, you know, you're able to hold it down home court. They aren't uh, you know equipped to, to deal with the noise. But then again, from what we've seen from the Kings team, you know, forget about the defense. Forget about uh, you know some of the the, the 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 depth players that they have to utilize. This is a good team, and I don't really think that this is going to be one of those teams where they really struggle offensively in the playoffs, uh, you know, in comparison to the success that they've had in the regular season because DeMarcus Sabonis is an an all-star player. De'Aaron Fox is an all-star player. And neither one of them rely on the jump shot. And that's really what comes down to some of these offensive teams that we see that look amazing in the regular season and then kind of flame out once they get to the playoffs. Because they're a tough team. They're a tougher offensive team than people give them credit for. They don't like to, you know, live and die by the three. Uh, they don't like to just get to the free throw line and, uh, you know, take their two at the stripe. They work down low. They like to drive it through into the paint. They like to move the ball around the perimeter. They find the best shot. There's a lot to like about the Sacramento Kings. And uh, I think that, you know, Mike Brown, he's an experienced guy. He's been around the league for decades. He'll be able to get this team right and ready. And when you look at how kind of weak some of these playing teams in the West are. I mean, the Golden State Warriors, without Andrew Wiggins, they might have a tough matchup with the Kings. And even if they think that this is the matchup they want, because, you know, obviously uh, they, they've been a dynasty and they've had so much success over the years and they know exactly what they're doing in the playoffs. That I, I think that mentally they would have some, uh, maybe the advantage over the Kings, but the Kings have the talent. The Kings have the, the absolute talent and skill advantage. Uh, besides Steph Curry, I mean, Clay Thompson is still so streaky. Uh, Draymond Green is uh, pretty much just a six-six Pat Bev at this point. Uh, there's not really anybody on the Warriors like that strikes fear into your heart uh, besides Curry. And I don't think that the there's anybody on the Kings that's really going to be able to effectively shut down Steph. Uh, he'll probably average thirty-five points if that's the playoff series that we end up getting. Uh, and you know. 
I mean, off night Mitchell. I don't think you're going to be able to give Curry an off night. You know, uh, Matt Delvadova, who actually, now that I mention it, happens to be on the Sacramento Kings. So that's kind of uh, that might be something to watch. Uh, will Delhi uh, get his uh, his his uh, redemption time? He'll be able to to win the series that he should have won all the way back in 2015 uh, as he tries to clamp down on Curry one more time. Uh, I doubt that we see Delhi in the playoffs, but uh, if we do, man, that would be that would be an awesome moment. But uh, the Kings, like I said, they'd like to get down low. They like to fight in the paint and. Respect to Kevon Looney, uh, but Demonis Sabonis is going to abuse you. Uh, he's way bigger. He's faster, better playmaker. He'll be able to kind of manipulate where you are on the court, and he can stretch the floor. Uh, you know, he, he can take it out there. It's not like he's going to have an explosive first step and blow by you to uh, get his way to the rim. But uh, I don't think that the Warriors actually match up nearly as well as people give them credit for now, if Andrew Wiggins is there and you have a six-eight defender who uh, you know can switch from one through five almost, uh, and then also you know provide you maybe fifteen to fifteen to eighteen points, uh, you know that's a huge X factor. And we saw that last year in their their championship run. So I'm 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 definitely on the fence on some of these teams going after the the Kings. I mean, you look at the Lakers as well. Uh, you know, Anthony Davis and LeBron. Uh, they, they, they might have a better chance just because of the, the defenders that are available on the Kings. Nobody's really going to be able to stop, uh, those big bodies down low, uh, or, or, uh, you know, through the lane, uh, from the perimeter. But the, the, the Kings definitely don't need to be getting disrespected before, before they've even been given a reason to, because I, I kind of want to believe in these young guns. I want to believe in the beam. I want to join the call to the beam. Uh, and I think everybody else should as well. Uh, they're uh, they're an exciting and they're a fun team. And, you know, Kings fans, even if they end up flaming out, let's say worst case scenario, they, they match up with one of these uh, these play-in teams. Uh, they, the, the offense goes stagnant. And maybe they only win one game. Gentlemen sweep, something like that. It's embarrassing. It sucks. But you know what? Give yourself a round of applause because at least you had something to cheer for this year, uh, which is more than you could say for the past, you know, whatever it was, 16 years, uh, 15 years. It's uh, it went on long enough. Just soak in the moment. Be happy with what you get. And uh, who knows? Maybe you'll even end up uh, winning a playoff series or two, depending on how things shake out here. But uh, only time will tell there. Uh, and to, to move on here. Let's get some MVP talk out of the way. Uh, everybody loves talking about the MVP award. Uh, you know, we, we recapped it uh, and previewed it plenty on this podcast before. Uh, and uh, one of the main things that we want to talk about here, uh, Joel Embiid throwing some shade recently. Uh, and we haven't seen the Troel Embiid uh, in a while. I feel like he's kind of been moving uh, moving in silence lately. Uh, he's been a little bit more calculated with what he says, but... I think he's getting nervous. I think he's sweating. I think he knows that he... I don't think he thinks he's the MVP. I still think he thinks Jokic is going to get the MVP. Uh, and, you know, it's a very, 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 very close race again for Embiid, Jokic, and Giannis Tenekumpo. Uh Really, it comes down to preference, your criteria, uh, and, and what you're trying to pick here. Because Joel Embiid, uh, you know, uh, kind of shaded Jokic a little bit with this one, talking about, oh, these people that tell me that... The analytics of defense, uh, and I think he might have got this one, this line from me. But uh, you know, talking about the analytics of defense uh, when guys are actually bad defenders, uh, and sure enough, of course, you've got to be talking about Nikola Jokic, uh, who uh, you know, the, the, there is a lot of advanced metrics out there that will tell you that Jokic is a better defender than he appears. Uh, when in reality, I think if you watch the the NBA, if you watch the Nuggets play, sure, Jokic is you know seven foot, big boy, he can hold it down in the paint one on one, but 
if we're talking about moving around, being a versatile defender, protecting the rim on a consistent basis, uh, you know, straight up, not just help side blocks, uh, you know, He's definitely not the defender, uh, at least definitely not the defender that uh, Joel Embiid is. Uh, I mean, he's one of the the, the best uh, defensive bigs maybe we've ever seen, uh, but definitely the best uh, big man defender in the the NBA, in my opinion, uh, present day. Uh, but I mean, with Embiid, you know, having that defensive edge, I think he kind of trying to just find whatever advantage he can to uh, you know say, oh, uh, this is, it's kind of like a, a smear campaign, if anything, because uh, that's kind of what he's relying on at this point. Uh, Jokic is going to have the better record uh, than, than the 76ers. While it's uh, it's super close, you know, 51 and 25 record for uh, the the Denver Nuggets right now, uh, whereas the Philadelphia 76ers uh, 50 and 26. So it's going to be very close between those two. Um, but at the end of the day, it's also. I think he's going to have to rely on voter fatigue, something like that. Something else is going to have to give because he's still putting up amazing numbers. His team is getting better. He's doing everything that anyone pretty much would have asked him to do uh, in order for him to be able to win that uh, that elusive three-peat MVP. Uh, but then again, you kind of have to maybe look at Joel's comments and think, maybe does he have a point? Uh, Joel is, uh, you know been not snubbed but he's been right up there uh in the front runners of the mvp as well leading the league in scoring uh you know again playing uh you know a fantastic game on both ends of the court not just what not just as a an offensive dunker or uh you know post score uh he's been able to kind of go there and get the job done and as much as i again i've said if you're giving me uh, a full season, I have to pick between the two. I'll take Jokic. But if I can take one game, Joel Embiid, I don't know if there's many players out there that I could take over him. And that brings me to this. Does Joel Embiid deserve the MVP if he can't even beat through the Celtics or the Bucks? Because, you know, obviously, you know, we're looking at the Nuggets as the top seed in the West. Uh, and, you know, while the, 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 the West is a little bit uh, less competitive up at the top, I still think that we need to blow the doors off this. This was my uh, my pick for the MVP uh, last year, and I'm sticking with it. Giannis Antetokounmpo again is the best player in basketball. We've discussed at large that he's still the you know he may not be uh, the front runner in a lot of people's MVP ballots, uh, but Giannis is the not, not just the best player in the world, um, but Giannis is having a amazing season in his own right, uh, putting up insane averages, uh, and he's got the best team in the league. So. I don't know why everybody's kind of logged themselves into this uh, this weird uh, you know tunnel vision where it's only it's just these two guys and then there's also Giannis. I mean Giannis should he there's no reason he doesn't deserve to be right in the middle of that conversation. I mean the guy's a former MVP himself. There's no 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 reason that he shouldn't be able to be included in this. So uh, my 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 whole look at this is why are we overlooking Giannis? Uh, from the straw polls I'm seeing, you know, it's still very close between uh, Embiid and Jokic, depending on what outlet you're going through, and it's always Giannis in third. I need to. I, I think people need to have that discussion and start thinking about it. Why is Giannis being left out of this? Why is Giannis being treated like the odd man out in between these these three? Because you know the 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 rivalry between these two has really just been a, a, a war of words, uh, whereas Giannis is always out there putting in action uh you know Joel Embiid sitting out that game against the Nuggets recently uh didn't play against them and if you really wanted to turn things around Joel maybe don't talk your shit and then run away uh I mean that's a that's that's a kind of a chicken thing to do uh you know maybe the injury was so bad uh you know maybe the team just needed to rest you and he was fighting to play I don't know uh, behind closed doors over there in Philadelphia but uh what I can say is 
for uh, you know the average fan or the average media member watching this game, Joel Embiid kind of appeared to be ducking Jokic in this one, and uh, this it, this would have been a uh, the, the the probably the game that people would use to decide a lot of their ballots. If we're being honest, uh, you know this head to head matchup that had big uh, big uh, you know implications on how the the their both teams would end up seeding and how they would finish uh, in their uh, the, the the respective conferences, and uh, in the end, I mean. It it didn't it, it took you know the, the 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 Nuggets everything that they had to get that win over the 76ers uh, you know only pulling it up by five points uh, you know but that's uh and, and this was a very shorthanded 76ers team as well uh, and you know that should be a little bit of a concern for Nuggets fans just flat out I mean if you can barely beat uh, the the 76ers with no James Harden and no Joel Embiid I mean Tyrese Maxey and T- Tobias Harris did what they could um, and uh, you know you gotta you gotta respect McDaniels as well um, but you know Jokic had a great game anyways uh, 25-17 and 12 but you gotta think that if Joel Embiid was playing in this game maybe it would have been a blowout maybe the 76ers could have went Went played in altitude and uh, you know just beat the bro uh, beating the brakes off of uh, the Denver Nuggets because the the Nuggets just don't appear to have that killer mentality right now and this would have been a great chance for if Joel Embiid truly wanted to you know put his name in there and say I'm the definite front runner stop with this nonsense 50-50 split between Jokic and I I'm the top dog in the NBA. You need to go out there and prove it, Joel. Uh, and he kind of missed that mark uh, by a, a wide margin in this one. Uh, and uh, instead, you know, kind of went back to his Twitter fingers instead. Uh, but uh, we're, we're going to keep looking into the MVP. But I, I, I'll leave you to, to think about these two things. One, is Joel Embiid afraid of Nikola Jokic at this point? Is he petty? Is he uh, jealous? Uh, you know, what is it? There's obviously something going on here uh, that Joel is, uh, is dealing with mentally. It's almost like... The Joker's in his head without even trying or really caring to be. Uh, and uh, it's just based on, you know, the, the media and how uh, everything's gone. But also, I would like everyone to go home and think, why isn't Giannis the front runner for the MVP? Uh, just kind of, kind of give me a couple of reasons because uh, at, at, Big Dog, at Big Dog Wall Talk, send me it because there's no reason that Giannis shouldn't be the MVP this year, in my opinion. You know, we're going to get into that, uh, you know, maybe I'm showing my hand for our end-of-season awards. But, you know, that... There's always subject to change here. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, we still got a couple more games to go here, but uh, you know we're going to keep our uh, our eyes glued to the NBA uh, and uh, all the top stars in this MVP race. But uh, to move on, nearing the end of the podcast here, folks. But don't worry, we still got lots of uh, basketball to break down here. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves looking like they could be, and I'm glad I'm having this segment without Jordan. Uh, you know he's probably not even going to listen back to this, so I'll just keep going uh, going on my day shitting on the Timberwolves. But I can't lie. I've seen it, and, uh, you know, uh, every head must bow, uh, all lips must confess. The Timberwolves look like they might be a fucking playoff team this year, and uh, that's that sucks because, you know, uh, I don't want to give Jordan any of my money. Uh, you know, the, the fact that I even had to do it once is uh, is embarrassing to me. Uh, for, for anybody who is uh, maybe newer to the podcast or uh, joining midway through the season, uh, Jordan and I uh, have a $50 wager gentleman's agreement uh, every single year uh, before the first game of the NBA kicks or uh, tips off. And uh, this year was uh, whether or not the Timberwolves would make the playoffs. And uh, I'm in the, the party that they would miss it. Uh, and Jordan uh, took me on that one and uh, it was looking good in my favor for a long time, but now sitting at the eighth seed, only a game back from the sixth seed, the Timberwolves uh, have looked strong at the, the return of Carl Anthony Towns, uh, Anthony Edwards back to full strength after that ankle injury that uh, luckily he was able to pretty much come back uh, unscathed from uh 
And, you know, they actually, I've had my concerns about the spacing and, you know, there still is issues here with the Timberwolves. They're not perfect. But if they get into the playoffs and they can be fully healthy, uh, I think they could give they could give a team a run for their money. And uh, while saying this, fully healthy, uh, you know, reports have just come out uh, this morning. Uh, Nas Reed uh, going to be out uh, for a long period of time. Uh, who is, in my opinion, you no, know, I think you have to keep him in your top three for six man of the year this year. He was sensational this season. Uh, could possibly end up being out, you know, the rest of their season, uh, depending on how long they go. Uh, broken wrist uh, from what i've seen timetable could be between six to eight weeks depending on the dominative hand and uh, you know where the break is yada 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 but uh huge loss there for the timberwolves uh but even without the efforts of the uh the, the big man nas reed we need to kind of look at this timberwolves team because first first thing i'm going to mention mike conley what a great pickup you know we kind of set it under the radar pickup when they made that trade uh you know in the the d low move uh with uh, the three team trade with Utah Timber the Timberwolves and the Lakers uh we kind of mentioned you know that Mike Conley was a forgotten piece in this one because you know he's still a very serviceable guard he's a steady handed point guard and uh, you know he's always out there just looking to make the right play he's not out there looking to to get two points for himself uh which you know maybe wasn't something they had with their their previous uh lead playmaker uh and the Timberwolves have gotten so much better for it. Having a steady hand and a solid leader and someone who can actually, you know, work with Rudy Gobert because, you know, that's that's also been an issue uh, with their, their previous one spot, uh, you know, not being able to mesh with their, their big man that they paid out the ass to get. Um, and uh, now they're sitting here, uh, you know, on the verge of being able to clinch a playoff spot uh, or at least avoid the play-in, rather. Uh, and uh, it could happen still. Uh, when I watched them play against the Suns, which was a great game, down to the wire, uh, man, it fucking sucked that they couldn't cover the spread uh, one point off. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Timberwolves have have really surprised me. And I think with Tim, with uh, Mike Conley there, uh, you know, they've been able to kind of find the right shooters. And obviously, I think the other part of this really depends on how well Cat can defend on the perimeter which is, was my biggest concern coming into the season, and how well he's going to shoot from the perimeter. Uh, that's where it's all going to boil down to is, you know, Cat playing at the four. Uh, because this game, it looked fine. I mean, he looked slow. He, he looked like a center that was playing the four. But that can kind of give you an advantage over a lot of these small ball teams. And as long as Cat can keep his feet active and, you know, play decent enough defense against some of these teams, and depending on the team they match up with, who knows? Maybe they'll, they'll get another team who's a little bit taller. Maybe they won't have all these speedsters and uh, shooters that uh, some of the other teams in the NBA have. The you know I kind of envision them having to play against. There's a chance that they you know they could they could go toe to toe with another team that wants to just get down low and fight. And this is a a, a roster that not many teams are going to be able to beat down low and beat up in the paint. Uh, you know, even with uh, you know Carl Anthony Towns being a pretty porous defender uh, down low. He, he's still big enough. He's still there. He can kind of put his arms up. He can jump up. He can swat a couple shots here and there if he needs to. But, uh, you know, what I, what really impressed me was, yeah, his ability to move his feet along the perimeter, being able to kind of play against a, a smaller, quicker defender. Uh, and then on the other side, banging home threes, uh, looking like a like uh, we, we already know he's one of the better shooting big mans that the league's ever seen, a, a, a silky smooth stroke that, uh, you know, more often than not hits the bottom of the net. Uh believe it was five or six threes against the Suns as well uh, in that great down-to-the-wire matchup. But 
the Timberwolves, if they can ride this, have a unique situation where I could honestly see them maybe pulling off an upset even in the first round if they do end up making the playoffs. And uh, again, I'm, I'm still hoping that they miss it entirely. Uh, you know, Minnesota sports fans, my God, you guys are... You're a strong, resilient bunch. Uh, I gotta gotta commend you. Gotta show some respect there. But uh, you know, they just—it seems like one thing after another, and it always, always just keeps kind of, kind of happening to the Timberwolves. But they've uh, they've 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 got a great chance here to, I think, pull off upsets. I think they've got a great chance to win at this play-in uh, tournament. And you know, it, it makes me sad. It makes me scared. But at the end of the day. This is an interesting ball club, and I'd like to see how this experiment plays out, especially in the postseason if they are able to get there. So I, I, I don't, I, I'm definitely not nearly, nearly as out as I was once uh, on the uh, the Timberwolves, and uh, I think a lot of it has to, you know, be credited to uh, that that midseason trade, with, uh, you know, acquiring Mike Conley and uh, you know his shooting, his playmaking, his uh, his just calmness and coolness on the court. I think has kind of rubbed off on some of these guys. They look a little bit more professional. They look like they're 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 they 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 kind of feel the urgency of the season a little bit more. Whereas earlier in the season, they really was just dysfunctional injuries. People not really wanted to go and play defense at all. Like I mean, Rudy Gobert not having a great year either. But you know, he's been competing. I think Mike Conley in that locker room has turned this team around quite a bit. And uh, you know, I think that's always going to be something that. He'll be remembered for, uh, you know, in his time in Memphis, uh, his time in Utah. He's always been a leader. He's always been such a, a sure-handed point guard, uh, and that's something that the Timberwolves, uh, you know, have expressed since you know acquiring him, saying, you know, we wanted a guy who was able to slow the pace down and help us out and help us, you know, just look like a more fundamental basketball team. And uh, that's surely happened so far. And uh, I think that this team, you know, has a has a high ceiling, a lot higher ceiling than some people are giving them credit for, a lot to, a lot higher than I gave them credit for coming into the year. Uh, uh, but again, let's just keep this uh, this whole segment between us. Don't tell Fleagle I, I said any of this shit. Um, if you do, the podcast is canceled. It's over. Don't test me on this one. Uh, to move on to the final segment of the podcast. Uh, again, thank you everybody for for sticking with me throughout the solo podcast. Uh, you know, Fleagle won't be back. Might be another solo podcast on Monday. So if you like this, uh, let me know. If you guys are uh, looking for any kind of uh, segments or you got any questions for me, get at me at Big Dog Ball Talk. But the last thing we want to break down here, and it's kind of a a, song, a, a sad note. I kind of feel pity. Uh, I guess pity is the right word. I don't know. He's still making shit ton of money to go and coach basketball teams. So I mean, I'm, I'm maybe I'm a little jealous. I'm not sure, but we'll we'll kind of get to the bottom of it as we uh, go through the conversation here. But uh, why don't the Houston Rockets have any respect? For their head coach, uh, I mean, it's it's come to the point here uh, where I'm I'm a little bit confused uh, because the Rockets are a such a young team, and none of these guys, besides you know Kevin Porter Jr., have really seen what it's like on other franchises and uh, having other coaching staffs, you know, at the pro level. Uh, and Stephen Silas, from all things considered. I mean, you know, he's trying his best with the situation he's got uh, because, you know, the Rockets are not a good team. There's a lot of uh, big personalities on that team. Uh, I'll say that. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I think frustration budding in that uh, that franchise. You know, not a lot of success. But as much as I'm, I, I don't think maybe he's the right fit there, uh, you know, he really just doesn't have any respect in that locker room. None of those players respect him. None of those players uh, listen to him. Uh, they just go out there and they pretty much play like it's pickup or rec ball. Uh, and, and that's been showing, uh, you know, even, uh, you know, the viral clip, a lot of people were kind of just laughing about it. But I mean, Josh Christopher coming off and openly mocking 
Steven Silas in front of all the coaching staff. Uh, you know, Steven Silas, I'm sure he just turned his head a little bit, would have seen it too. I mean, if you have a rookie already just going like imitating you, mocking you, making fun of you in person, in front of all of, uh, you know, the NBA world, uh, whoever's watching the game, uh, you know, and again, everyone who is looking through their Twitter feeds, this is a bad look for the Rockets. This is a bad look for Steven Silas. And this is a, a bad look for Josh Christopher, as well as all these other young guys who are complaining, all these guys who are bitching and moaning about, oh, well, uh, you know, we want to win. We want this. And we want that. You can't have it both ways. He's letting you develop. He's giving you freedom. He's giving you all these opportunities. But you guys are kind of throwing it in his face. Like it almost feels like the way that they're being coached is like if uh, you had a, a classroom full of bad kids and you got a substitute teacher in there right now. That's what Steven Silas feels like uh, to me. And that's what it appears like. Because he just kind of lets them do whatever he wants. He gets steamrolled by these guys. Uh, like he needs to go into the locker room and chew some of these guys out. Tell them to get the fuck out of here. Uh, you know, start showing them some respect. Because this is, isn't going to last. Like I, I, I don't envision Silas sticking around in the offseason if that he has this little respect and he commands this little attention from the locker room, uh, you know, this early. Uh, and he, he's again, not much experience as a head coach. I mean, he needs this job. He needs to build this experience because, uh, I don't think any team is going to want to touch him, uh, after this because, you know, his teams have sucked and they haven't respected him. And, you know, it's from what, from the, the, the reports that I've, I've, I've heard and I've seen, you know, there's, there's been rumors that, you know, he's, uh, he's been taking this to heart. He's been having a, uh, a, a, a tough time, uh, you know, dealing with this this brutal season. Uh, hey, you know, he, as far as to, you know, rumors uh, apparently you know, breaking down in tears, uh, you know, trying to deal with this team. And, that, you know, I've, I've had some uh, some substitute teachers where the, the you know, the, the, the kids have got to them. They broke them spiritually and, uh, and emotionally, and, you know, they, they busted out some tears. And uh, it's, it's not a pretty sight. And when you get to this level, I mean, everybody's a grown man out there. You can't be breaking down in tears, Stephen. I, I mean, I, and I know he's been dealing with you know his, the passing of his father as well, uh, which I, you know I can't imagine has has been easy on him uh, throughout the year. And and then you've got these little shits like Jalen Green running their mouth, not listening, not following the game plan, not doing anything to to help the team. Something, someone needs to come in there. Someone needs to just overhaul this team. Someone needs to be traded. They they need there needs to be something. But what I I really do hope happens is that Stephen Silas straightens up his back, rolls his shoulders a little bit, and he gets an all-hands all, all hands meeting. He gets everybody uh, everybody that needs to be there from the team, maybe even uh, the rest of the coaches. They gather in, they lock the doors, and they get the steel cage match, and they get it hammered out. Uh, and I hope that he drills some of these guys. I hope he lets them know what he really thinks of them. I hope that he goes in there and he can tell them exactly what they need to do to stop worrying about how good they look, to stop worrying about their stats, and maybe care about winning basketball games because – the culture and the Rockets right now is abysmal. It's horrible. It it doesn't produce fun basketball to watch, really. It just literally looks like uh, they picked up a bunch of dudes who are good enough to play in the NBA, threw them on a team, and said, all right, just do whatever you want. Be bad. I don't care. Fuck it. Uh, just do pick and rolls and shoot threes. And that's pretty much all the Rockets do. They're they're not uh, a well-equipped basketball team. And this is going to hurt their, their development. Like, I mean... Sure, we've seen you know guys like Jalen Green have some impressive scoring nights, and uh, you know maybe even get some highlight reel dunks, uh, crossovers, whatever, whatever uh, you know your cup of tea is. But at the end of the day, the NBA is not going to just magically become easier for you when you aren't pushing yourself. If you just keep playing the exact same way and you have no repercussions for your actions and there's no uh, intensity level to any of your games, 
once you actually get to that level, if you ever do, if you're lucky enough to get there, you're not going to know how to play there. And I really do think that's the case for the Rockets. No matter what happens with these guys, either they need to, you know, do some soul searching themselves. They either need to move on from Silas and find someone who's going to have this, uh, you know, kind of lockdown chat that I've I've alluded to and just rein in some of these, uh, you know, wild players. Or, alternatively, they could just blow up the whole thing. Uh, because right now, this, this Rockets team just doesn't, have any urgency they don't have any care it seems to uh you know get better to elevate their play or to uh to to listen to their coach and uh you know i i have to say it's a it's it's definitely a sad sad scene to see uh but at the end of the day it's it's up to steven silas he's gonna have to you know put his foot down he's gonna have to command that locker room and he's gonna have to do something because if you're a rockets fan you don't want to see this team get any more out of uh, out of order as the seasons go on and uh you know they're not getting any younger we're not getting any younger and uh their the championship window is uh is pretty much never gonna open it's uh hammered painted shut uh landlord style uh, you know, and they're never going to get back uh, into opening that window where, you know, if they can't figure out, you know, who's going to command the respect in that room, uh, whether it's a player, whether it's a coach, front office member, whoever, someone's got to step up for the Rockets uh, or else uh, we could quickly see, you know, a, a pretty historically uh, successful franchise start to kind of turn into a, a, a dumpster fire. Uh, but we want to hear from you at Big Dog Ball Talk. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Uh, let me know if you have any questions or anything you want to discuss on the podcast here uh, while I'm uh, riding solo without Jordan Flegel. Uh, and also, yeah, uh, please, please send over any hate uh, or uh, any kind of aggressive comments if you're mad that Flegel decided to take this off. Uh, I, I think I told him to record uh, some kind of a little uh, clip for you guys to say, oh, hey, happy 150th episode. I don't think he did it. Maybe he did. Alex, uh, if uh, he did, you can pl- uh, you can play it in the beginning of the episode or you can play it right now, whichever you think's better, man. Uh, you you got an, eye, an ear for the eye for this shit. Uh, but it's been Mad Acorn, Big Dog Ball Talk. And as my good friend Jordan always says, and he does say this, don't stop chasing your dreams. That's why he's in Miami. He's chasing his dream. He uh, he's always dreamt of being a uh, he's always dreamt of being a dancer, and uh, he's told me never to tell anyone this. But man, that guy can dance. He can uh, he can do it all. A pirouette in the air, into the splits, where he can throw it back. The guy's uh, he's a whiz. He's a master on the floor. And uh, man, George, we we all hope that you get into the Miami uh, National Ballet Academy, man. It's uh, it could be the future uh, uh of his life and maybe this will be the future of the podcast just uh just the big dog uh talking ball uh with the little pup uh, yapping in the background so we're, we're we're all rooting for you jordan please send us uh any videos or photos of you dancing uh we'd love to see it uh, i know the fans want to see it and uh you know we gotta say it jordan if you're in miami right now listening to this don't 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 stop chasing those dreams baby keep on dancing do you hear that do you hear that big dog ball talk family? This is the sound of Miami, Florida, where I am right now. But I didn't want to leave you guys hanging. This is episode 150. I want to shout out everyone who's been uh, listening from day one. Your support means everything to me and uh, me and the Matster. Um, but uh, yeah, I wanted to jump on, just say hi. I don't know what Matt talked about today. No, the uh, Celtics destroyed the Bucks last night. Pretty big story. What was that? Seventy from the two Jays. 
didn't catch the game, but uh, that uh, that made my eyes pop a little bit. I know the Nuggets got beat too, but I don't think Joker was playing, so uh, we'll put a pin in that one. But uh, got a story too. So second night in Miami, we're uh, we're on Cayocho, home of Pitbull, Mr. Mr. Three Hundred Five, Mr. Worldwide. Didn't see him, by the way, but we saw a uh, a mural. Got a pick. But after we went out dancing on this, uh, this I don't know, Cuban place or something, we went to get a taco on the way home. And uh, Annie and I, our friend Audrey, talks to, the, strikes up a conversation with the guy, the cashier. And he's like, yeah, you should check out our club next door. Drake is coming tonight. So he was here last night and he's coming back again. He rented out the back. We're like, okay. I, w I wasn't sure if we should even believe the guy, but we're just sitting there eating the tacos. All of a sudden, SUVs start rolling up. I don't know, Range Rovers, whatever they were, whatever the big black, some of them, I don't know, Chevys, I don't know. The, 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 the big black shits start coming and uh, dozens of women get out. They're lining up. Armed fucking police come and are like at the entrance to this restaurant, which is right next, like the restaurant is at the bottom of this club. Dudes with fucking earpieces. And then randomly one dad positioned out there waiting for, to, to, to see Drake. I guess he had got the news as well. He's just sitting on a bench calling his like 14 year old daughters saying like, no, he's not here yet. Anyway, we're just waiting, we're waiting. More and more people come, more infrastructure around Drake's arrival. We're checking his fucking Instagram story, he's in a car. We're like, we know he's in Miami, he's on the way. We didn't see him, we gave up. I know, I'm disappointed too. I don't know, maybe he snuck in the back. But you know what? I it, 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 it doesn't matter that we didn't see him at the end of the day because I felt I felt Drizzy's presence. I I was ready. I was ready to tell him that I live, you know, steps away from his childhood home. We're gonna chop it up about the Raptors. Get him to shout out our pod for episode 150. Sorry, it's a little loud here walking along a street. Uh, didn't get it, but like I say, I, we I felt I felt his presence. The Six God was with us, and he supports the pod, I know, in his heart, even though he didn't say it. So, there's my story. I mean, he's in Miami. I could run into him again tonight. Let's hope. But we love all, uh, all our big dog ballers out there, ball talkers. 150 episodes. Really, uh, once again, appreciate everyone's support. This is great. Anyway, live from Miami. Fleeg dog out. We'll be back, and once I'm back, we'll see. We'll have a uh, we'll have a national uh, March Madness champion as well. I mean, we've we've got University of Miami and FAU, two South Florida teams, in the Final Four. Plan tomorrow. We'll see how that plays out. I'm rooting for one of them to win, though, since I'm going to be down here uh, when when they do, if that uh, if that happens. So, uh, for Big Dog Ball Talk, 150, Jordan out. I think I heard it's snowing back there in Toronto, uh, so suck it, Matt. Thanks for doing this, Alex. Bye.